Not everyone is born with skills to communicate with the dead. They have to build that muscle, hone that skill, and educate themselves on the right way to make connections. And then, most importantly, be willing to help the living and the deceased. Opening lines of communication to the dead is not something to be taken lightly or treated as a casual hobby. Once you turn that lighthouse on, it's hard to shut things down again, especially if you don't know what you're doing. That's where the danger can lurk around any corner. Today, we explore this topic, Let the Spirits Speak, with my guests, investigator and researcher Nick Groff of Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Lockdown, Ghosts of Shepherdstown, and now the acclaimed new program, Death Walker. And later, we'll be speaking with psychic empath investigator Sharice Williams about a compelling new way to reach through the veil during an investigation. We also have a very special mystery guest joining us in just a bit, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But first up, trial lawyer Michael Bryant joins me to discuss a fascinating case involving the paranormal that's been playing out in the headlines the last two weeks. All of that and more right here on the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. time now to turn to paranormal headlines and a strange story has played out in the news the last few weeks regarding elements of the paranormal religious beliefs and mental stability famed adult movie star stormy daniels has been making the news again but not in a way many would have expected in 2018 her then attorney michael avenatti faked allegedly i should say faked her signature and cashed a very large check for the sum of three hundred thousand dollars in advance on the book that she had written Recently, during research for a case, investigators uncovered the information implicating the attorney, and Stormy Daniels became a star witness for the prosecution. What unfurled from there has been nothing short of high strangeness, as the defendant claims Ms. Daniels gave him the check and said he could have the money. That's a claim that Stormy Daniels denies. Undercut the credibility of the prosecutor's star witness. In a cross-examination of more than five hours, Avenatti introducing a strange line of questioning into Daniel's unusual hobby, paranormal investigations. Avenatti asking Daniels, how do you speak with the dead? Daniels answering, it just happens sometimes. That's the premise of the show. We had an idea to do a ghost hunting show called Spooky Babes. Let's do it. The show, a ghost hunting web series, Spooky Babes. I'm Stormy Daniels. Yes. That Stormy Daniels. And I get asked a lot what got me into the paranormal. And I always make the joke that paranormal got into me. Michael Avenatti seems to be going in a roundabout way to try to attack Stormy Daniels' credibility in bringing up her belief in the paranormal, where a group of individuals, as a title would suggest, babes, explore the paranormal, whether it be vampires or speaking with the undead or ghosts. And so Michael seems to be trying to show that this is a person who maybe has a loose relationship with reality. All of that is definitely an effort by Evanati to undermine Stormy's credibility and kind of be like, if she believes this, what else does she believe? Now, 
Ms. Daniels claims to see and communicate with spirits and identifies as a witch. And because of that, Mr. Avenatti seems to think she's not to be trusted or believed because of her beliefs. Beliefs I may point out that she did not invest herself into until the year 2020. Joining us for a few moments is trial lawyer Michael Bryant of the law firm here in Minnesota, Bradshaw and Bryant. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us and uh, for joining me on the show to talk about this very strange case. Yeah, it is definitely strange. No doubt about that. Now, obviously, there's a lot going on. Avenatti's been found guilty of defrauding others. But when it comes to this case, I'm just curious. Again, he defrauded her of $300,000 in 2018. Um, she didn't start dabbling in the paranormal and really, you know, kind of grabbing that until 2020. How is any of what she's done in the last two years relevant to him taking her money in 2018? I, that's a big question. Um, the judge is letting it in as an attack since she's the key witness on her credibility. But it, it, it's the oddest thing because his defense seems to be she gave me the money and she knew she was she was OK when she gave me the money. And to, so to then turn around and say, well, no, there's these issues that you have that indicate there's a problem with you. And then if you look at it and you say, well, if you think the person has a problem, then how could you take the money from them? And then right. on top of it, you don't even know if the jury will listen to it and go, well, what's wrong with that? Now, I, I had actually um, looked into some of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this up so I get the information proper on this and, and don't uh, make a mistake because I, I know this is a very litigious world and I don't want to say anything that's going to uh, burn me. Um let me see if we've got it in here. Uh, was that part of the defense? Yes. Um, I, I can't find the deal. But what, what was interesting to me was that her admission to being a witch um, was in the court documents. It wasn't something that was brought up during court, but it was in all the findings and, and everything. I, Wiccan witchcraft, that's a religious base. Why is that being allowed and why is the judge not shutting down the, the line of questioning i understand if you're trying to defraud and and show that the the eyewitness is unreliable but as you you touched on if you believe she has a mental deficiency and you cash that check that she said was okay to cash and there's no written agreement there's no texts there's no emails going back bef between you two saying this so that there's some paper trail isn't that, in a sense, admission to defrauding somebody that he believes to be mentally deficient? It seems to be. Um, now, for an attorney to take money, you have to have a retainer. Mm -hmm. And so what confuses me in all this is if his retainer said he had a right to money, then he'd have a right to take it. Then why are you falsifying her signature on checks? Why, why is there a belief that she thought you were going to get paid $100? Um, the exchange between him, him and her during this trial has been interesting because she stood up to it pretty well. She's admitted to things that he's acted as if they're a big deal, and he's just she's just been very straightforward in answering questions. It's just it, it's bizarre to me. And when I'd spoken to Stormy, her her fear was, what does this mean then? Somebody could break into Dave Schrader's home, steal things, say I gave it to him, and because I'm a paranormal investigator and I appear on TV and claim to see ghosts. I'm cuckoo. So, of course, I probably let a stranger into my house to take things. That that calls into question a lot. And I just, you know, this has been a very weird case to see play out. Was it surprising to you to see that this has been, it was a five-hour cross-examination, and most of it was focused on the paranormal? 
Well, some of it's so weird because she was his client. And so he, he seemed to be asking some questions that were based upon the, the client-attorney relationship that, you know, she, he can't waive. Um, she's not a party to this action. It's the state that's brought the action against them. So he can't argue because she's brought the action, I have a right to go into these things. It, the whole idea of what he's doing representing himself, I think, puts him far more at question than than her. And, like, you know, she's been very upfront in answering every question. She didn't take any of these questions and turn around and say, oh, no, that's not true, or, oh, no, that isn't what happened. She just answered them. Michael, I appreciate it. For any of you in the Minnesota area, Brad, Sean, Bryant, you can find more information at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. That's minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Michael, thank you for stopping by tonight. Thank you. All right. We've got uh, joining me now a longtime friend and uh, somebody I know many of you are excited to see join us here this evening. He made it his business to investigate strange claims of supernatural activity as part of a successful team, a duo, and now on a solo journey on the acclaimed series Death Walker with Nick Groff. Welcome to the Paranormal 60. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Groff. Hi, Nick. Hi. How's it going, buddy? Good. Hey, before we get jumping into the the discussion at hand here tonight, which has nothing to do with Stormy Daniels, let me just say that <laughs> you also have a new project that began last Thursday, yep. and uh, let's show people it is Dead Time with the Groffs. Okay, so fill us in a little bit. What is this program? And I'll show a clip in a few moments, but I'm curious as to what it is and and what people can expect when they tune in. Yeah, we just released four episodes, so it's a it's an all new web series. It's free to watch wherever you are in the world. Tune into our YouTube channel, Dead Time with the Groffs, and it's pretty much <laughs> self explanatory. You know, Tessa and I we were laying in bed, and we're like, we get these videos all the time from weird, like, hey, check this out, look at this apparition. You know, all the years we've been investigating together, right. it's like, hey, look at this, you know this orb in this picture or this video of the shadow figure or whatever. So we're like, you know, we get so many videos and so many emails. Why not just do a web series where we can review these videos and let people know if we find them legit or not real or who knows? Cause we weren't right. there. So it's kind of what it is. It's, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's quirky. It's just us in bed, like reviewing all these like videos and stuff <laughs> before we go to sleep. So I really enjoy it. Um, you can see it now on uh, Dead Time with the Grouse on our YouTube channel. And, and we have a link for that up in today's show. Uh, but let's let's take a quick peek at a, at, at a snippet from one of the episodes. This is your week. It is. I found this crazy video. And again, it's on reincarnations. And I absolutely was fascinated with this child's story about being reincarnated into this world. A young boy, he's 10 years old. This is death of a Hollywood star. He claims that he was this actor, this uh, claim to be an agent later in his life, married five times. Crazy, crazy story. And uh, you kind of have to just hear it to understand the scope of what this kid is dissecting that he would have no information on. But like the ending is so amazing to hear because to me, I'm already going to say it. I already, I already think that this is legitimate. <laughs> so you have to watch this. Check this out. It's not unusual for little boys to have vivid imaginations, but Ryan's stories were legendary. He said, Mom, I have something I need to tell you. I think I used to be somebody else. And he started just telling me these stories about how he had lived in Hollywood. His stories were so detailed. It just wasn't like a child that could have made it up. Ryan talked about dancing on Broadway, working for an agency, 
traveling the world, being married five times. He even said the street he lived on had the word rock in it. And it would be, my last room was grander. I want to go back to my swimming pool. But things got really strange when they picked up a book about the golden age of Hollywood. She turns to a page and I say, that's me. That's how, who I was. That's me. Yeah. Dead time with the Groffs. And if people want to submit a video or a story to you, deadtimegroffs at gmail.com is the best way to reach you, correct? Yes, absolutely. And submit any video that you think is bizarre. It could be cryptid. It could be UFO. It could be alien, abduction, any, anything that has to be in line with a great, compelling story that we can kind of review and give our insight on. Sounds good. I already see myself in my ducky pajamas wedged Please. between you and your bride as I show you a piece of my evidence that I have. You know what's funny is we were talking about that. In the future, we will have guests coming coming in like all of a sudden they'll just show up. Like maybe you pop up from under the covers. Here I am. And I have this piece of evidence I've been waiting for. I'm not for falling. A long time. I'm not Come falling on. for that. I've been Hot trying boxing to get again. you in the bed forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd only disappoint you. Hey, let's let's talk real quick. You've surrounded yourself with the paranormal and investigations now for, for the better part of two decades. Boy, does that yeah. make you feel old? I met you when you were like 11 years old and started yeah. this. Um, but you've, you've been doing this. And I'm wondering, how radically have the investigative techniques for you changed? Do you find that you're uh, as involved with the equipment that you once were? Are you becoming more attuned with the locations and spirits? And are you open to allowing more of a psychic connection? I think I'm open to everything. It's radically changed. Honestly, within the last 10 years, I would actually say within the last six years, my views on everything have drastically changed. You know, back, back when we first started, when I first started years ago, uh, when we met Dave, it was like, oh, it's a ghost. I'm communicating with a ghost on on my digital recorder, or um, I'm talking to <laughs> X, Y, and Z of whatever happened there in some tragedy. And what's strange is through the years, I think multiple things are happening within the paranormal that we can't keep saying inside the box. This is in this is exactly what it is. We have to think outside the box. And what I mean by that is, I was actually at the Washoe Club. We've been going there for over a decade. You know, you have, I have. Mm -hmm investigate it multiple times. When I first went there, I remember hearing my voice for the first time on a digital recorder. It scared the crap out of me. It's Nick Groff. That's what I heard on the digital recorder. I'm like, oh, this is an angry spirit here. It wants to attack me. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm freaking out as a young investigator. But now I went back there in 2020. I went back. Um, my cousin Justin and I we were filming for Death Walker. And we were actually um, based an episode based on a theory about time. And I had a weird experience where I walked up into the Washoe Club in the same exact spot where I remember I had captured my voice and it was being heard on the recorder. And I'm standing there um, and Justin walks up a little bit after me and I see my younger self walk into the room, visually see myself walk into the room. Clear as day, I look at like my younger self listening to the recording say Nick Roth and my present self here in 2020 is like, holy crap, what happens if all along, and I said it out loud, Nick Groff. I said that out loud. What happens if that's me in the future and I'm capturing it on the digital recorder back then? You know, so what happens if some of the paranormal that we're actually um, discovering or experiencing could be like slip in time or it could be a psychic like impression or lingering energy? You know, the basis of the paranormal is you have to think outside the box. You can't always go off of pseudoscience or equipment and stuff like that. We have to evolve our brains, evolve as investigators, 
or just try try different tactics or just think outside the box in that perspective. So that's kind of drastically how I've been changing it up is just um, looking for different uh, understands, understandings of what's exactly going on, you know, in some of these haunted locations people are experiencing. We, you know, you bring that up and I'll, I'll tell a slightly embarrassing, but I think interesting story nonetheless. It was one of the last events that I had done at the Queen Mary. And um, by this time you were, had dropped out of doing the live events for a while to focus more on your kids and family. And uh, there was just, a, a, I think, a couple of the members from Ghost Adventures were there and, and members from Ghost Hunters and Paranormal State. And we just had kind of a mishmash. But I was there with my girlfriend and I'd gone into the uh, the ballroom that we always used. And the lights were off and we're, we were standing there in this room and it's still all set up with all of our seats and everything. And we were just kind of taking in the moment of, wow, this is it. This is the last time we're doing an event on the Queen Mary. And, uh, you know, that led to a little kissing. And all of a sudden, at the same time, both of our heads snapped. And then we turned to the other side and it was like we were both on a swivel and her eyes got huge. She goes, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, tell me what you saw. I said, I saw people standing up from the chairs and walking away. And she goes, that's exactly what I saw. And I'm like, we've been holding an event here all weekend. And this weekend aligns with another weekend that we were here years ago. Were we capturing the, and it was funny. It was like when we weren't focused on the room and we were focused on each other is we're kissing. Both of our eyes are doing this kind of looking around the room and we would see these things moving around, but it was almost always in the same type of directions and the same kind of motions. It was like people getting up from chairs and moving and, and walking around the room and, and that time slip phenomena really interested me. So I actually, I remember going over to one of the pillars and I stood with my back against this pillar and I said, I may not be here for another event, but I'm going to try something. And I scream at the top of my lungs standing next to this pillar. And I look at the time and the date. And I'm like, I'm going to come back here on this date. And uh, I'm going to stand against that pillar and run on an EVP recording and see if I can pick up that psychic scream. Did I impress on this moment because of the emotions I was feeling, everything. And, I've, you know, unfortunately, the last time I was there, I was with uh, Shane and Cindy. And we were filming uh, an episode of The Holzer Files. So. I didn't have time to do my own little experiments outside of what we were there to do. And, uh, but I, I still wanted to try that. And it is fascinating to me how people, and we've been at investigations together, um, where we were doing it, Bobby Mackey's remember yeah, we were, we were working one of the spirit boxes and the voice comes through. Yeah. And we hear Zach's voice. And yep. he's like, hey, guys, get down here. And we're like, what? Clear as day. Clear and you're as like, day. dude, yeah. that's Zach. I'm like, yeah. And, and the people all at the table, we were holding almost like a, a an electronic seance. And we all <laughs> yeah. kind of jump up and we're like, what? So we go running downstairs. We walk in the room. And the minute we walk in the room, they're doing a spirit box session in that room. Yep. And the minute we walk in, Nick or uh, Zach points at you and he goes, dude, we just heard your voice coming through the spirit box. Isn't that wild? That's what I'm talking about, man. I think there's more to it than just, um, you know, Frank the ghost who's wandering around these locations <laughs> right. that died when he was a living person. I think there's a part layer of that. I think mm -hmm. of tragedies, death is still a residual energy. And I think some of that is intelligent too. You know, some people that are just horrible deaths, they don't know and they're, they're communicating from the other side in a sense. But I also think, there was a huge, huge possibility of um, thought, like uh, thought form. So mm -hmm. Bobby Mackey's speaking of, I was going to bring that up. 
I've been investigating that place for over a decade too. I've been back there multiple times, um, going back there again mm -hmm. uh, for a G Crew live event that we're doing. Dave, you're going to be a part of that. And yeah, I learned recently, I believe that there's some sort of topa, a thought form or a topa that has intelligently morphed over time. Because when I first went there, I thought it was a negative entity, something that died there. And it was really kind of put into that narrative for a long time, you know, mm -hmm. and it was like, come on, come attack me. You know, our young, young selves back then, like we're talking for ghost adventures. But I think when I went back there recently, a couple of times for paranormal lockdown, I went back there and I slept there for three days and I realized I feel like there's a sort of an energy form that has produced this thought form from thousands of people that have come there projecting this into the environment and whatever this entity was or is has manifested heavily into this kind of topa, this this thought form. Now it's almost like a mirror image of what it's projecting back to you when you go in there. So if you and I go in there with like, Dave, you go in there with like positive mentality, like, okay, I'm gonna talk to whoever's here, I'm gonna communicate, and I'm gonna be professional and, and really nice to the spirits, right? Or I go in there, I'm like, come on, come and scratch me, and I get crazy, right? And I want that, I'm like negative it's going to mirror that back at you. That's what I realized with this location. It mirrors and it tries to draw that energy and take some sort of intelligence off of you in a weird way, like a sponge. And it's manifesting, informing and changing over time. I'm, I swear to God, Bobby Mackey's The Basement, it's changed. This entity or whatever this thing, it has changed over time. And I, I'm telling you, it's different from the when that first time I went there, I don't think it's just me maturing and getting a little bit smarter here. I think it's actually changing into something else. Um, so it just depends the mentality or the person or who's going in there. Some people go in there, they don't get anything. Nothing happens. It's just calm. It's chill. Some people go in there, they have the worst experience in life, will never right. return. Some people are fascinated. You know, it's just, it's weird. It was funny when we went there. Uh, I always love to tell the story. It's when we first got there again, I go in and it's this rundown country bar, right? Yeah, and, honky tonk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, honky tonk. And it's all dark inside. And uh, I'm like, hey, guys, I got to hit the restroom. And you're like, just go on in there. You know, there's like a trough you can pee in. <laughs> and, what would happen to me to happen to you? Right. I so I, I go into the bathroom yeah. and I'm leaking in a trough. And all of a sudden the <laughs> bathroom door behind me, one of the stall doors just starts banging. And I, I turn around. I'm like, who's screwing with me? Knock it off. And I get done and go over and push the door open. Nobody, no hand washing, no zipping up my pants. I'm just out the door. I'm like, <laughs> guys, guys. And you turned around. And you're like the door, right? The door. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, dude, the bathroom door just started pounding. And it was funny because the whole time I'm in there peeing, I'm thinking, this place does not feel haunted to me at all. I don't, right. maybe, maybe these guys just have demons attached to them and yeah. wherever they go, this That's stuff's going to happen. Yeah. Until you, you experience it. And then it's weird. You did mention this coming up. G it is yeah. G, G Crew Live August 13th, hosted by Dave Schrader. That's me and guest. Oh, Tessa Del Zappo. I, I could have sworn she was a groff by now. She is a groff. Yeah, she is. <laughs> it was just easy. This came out right before. Yeah. <laughs> Live Mackey. music. Yeah. yeah. Bobby Mackey going to perform himself. How can people find more information about the event? Uh, right there on our website, uh, G Crew. If you have our Patreon page, or we posted a ton on social media, G Crew on Instagram, G Crew on Facebook, all of our information to go to the link to purchase tickets. It's on an Eventbrite ticket uh, thing. You can reserve your seats. Um, and watch out for our little alien friend, Mitch. He's feisty and he's crazy. Feisty. 
He's very feisty, and he's handsy. I, he'll probably <laughs> want to ride the bull with you. That's all uh, that's I'm all. saying. I'm down. Check uh, this out. What, what do you think for a Christmas card? I, so here's my idea. Okay. You ready for it? Uh, sure. Chad Lindbergh, Johnny mm-hmm. Hauser, yeah. Josh Hurd, yes. me, yeah. and Mitch on the bull together, Christmas card. I like right it. There. I like it. Make it happen. Shirts, shirts and if you off. want, rent the rent the uh, a Santa costume for you, and I'll show up in full Santa gear behind you guys with a bullwhip. How about that? Yeah, that would uh, be amazing. For more information on all of the events, uh, go to darknessevents.com and you scroll down the page, you'll see the G Crew Live event and you can click the banner. It'll take you in and you can order tickets and be a part of it that way as well. Again, we'll pop that up so people can see it. The G Crew Live event, August 13th. And uh, there's going to be ghost hunting and a lot of fun and and uh, hanging out, right? Yep, it's going to be all live. It's our first G Crew Live. We've been wanting to do it. Obviously, 2020 happened. But here we are in 2022, and we're excited for our first G Crew Live. It's going to be Pack House. I'm just excited. To, like We're going to get up there with Bobby Mackey and sing. You know, This is America's Honky Tonk, very historical, very haunted. And it's just it's going to be a really fun event. So I'm excited to do it with you too, Dave. It's going to yep. be a, a lot of people. Who knows? Shane might show up. What? Yeah, we might have a lot of people come in that are just like random guests from all over the place. I like it. Make it happen. I'll I'll have to give them a call sometime. I mean, we haven't chatted much because we're not on the same show anymore. But, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll show up for you. He's like that. Um, All right. I wanted to ask you one other thing here. Uh, In in communicating with spirits, how how open are you to, um, you know, people stray away from things like Ouija boards, but they have no problem using dowsing rods or using uh, electronic devices to communicate. Do you feel that there's much difference between somebody using a Ouija board or a K2 meter? No, I don't. I I have a different perspective and outlook on um, spirit boards in general or, um, you know, vice versa if we're using a piece of equipment that's a digital recorder or K2 or whatever it is. It really doesn't make a difference. It's it's really comes down to a simple notion of the intent that somebody is putting out there into the environment. So like I was saying before, if we go into Bobby Mackey's like we were talking about, and I'm going to be extremely negative and I'm, I'm putting that out there, I'm producing that energy. <laughs> if, right. I'm, if I have a recorder and I'm like, you know, go, getting crazy, I mean, your intent is going to be, it's like the fivefold, you know, you're going to get, get that bad kind of energy back. And um, I think it's the same thing with the spirit board. You're just a kind of a conduit of like, here's your hand, you're this antenna for the spirits to communicate or channel through you or use you. Um, I don't think spirit boards are a negative thing. I think it's negative because Hollywood and other, um, I don't know, TV shows and stuff had just perceived it that way. I've used spirit boards a ton. My good friend, Robert Murch, you, you know, talking about historical society, I've been in his house. I've been to um, uh, Salem, Massachusetts, to the, um, the 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 museum there where they have all the spirit boards, thousands of them. Some extremely old. Some have like crazy stories attached to them, like murders and people going crazy by communicating with who knows what, and then you know killing people. Like I've seen some wild stuff. But at the end of the day, man, people people are scary at times. Yeah, they are. What they can do. So I think. I think you just have to be careful of, it's like, um, here's the best analogy I can give, all right? If you're living in your home and in your, your, it's your house, right? And you mm-hmm. open your door to some stranger and you're like, yeah, come on in. You know, I don't know you. I don't, I don't really care. Just come on in my house. 
and you just open the door and some some person off like street that you don't even know just enters your house it's the same idea when you go into any location with a digital recorder a spirit board dowsing rods or whatever you're using just don't don't put yourself out there so heavily where you're gonna like have something energetically you know uh sponge on you or or stay lingering with you i think it, it's like having any friends around you know are you gonna surround yourself with good people or bad people like just in reality so i think it, it falls into both hands it just depends on how you're using stuff for um communication in general mm -hmm. but uh spirit boards have dated back you know we're talking 18th century and stuff like that where it was just a form of communication like dave if we were in the 1800s we get together for some tea crumpets and just play the spirit board and talk to grandma <laughs> or maybe apple teenies <laughs> right no i know they <laughs> they had uh popular music based around the ouija yeah. board have you ever come into contact before i let you go here when you've been in a location have you ever come across anything on like a spirit box that you believe is not a ghost but mm -hmm. perhaps an alien or extraterrestrial so a lot of people don't know this. Everyone thinks I just jumped in and I, you know, ghost is all I've done all my life. Actually, my biggest fascination and almost like this uh, obsession in a sense was when I was about 13 years old, I was heavily into aliens, extraterrestrials, space, time, area. I was that weird kid unfolding the map in my bedroom <laughs> in, in uh, 1993. My dad walks in, he goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm trying to find Area 51 on the map. <laughs> that was me. So I'm huge into that stuff. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do believe that there's something conscious, this consciousness that we produce in our brains throughout our lives, which I'm, I'm more fascinated with, and where we go or how we're communicating, in a sense, could be to a higher form of intelligence that is not from here. So I do believe that possibly we are sometimes i'm not saying all the time but sometimes are communicating with some sort of um intelligent being that we just don't fully uh, can understand or comprehend and uh, maybe their brains or whatever they have works differently in communication and we're picking up on some of those vibrational waves or frequencies and stuff like that um i was talking about um i was talking earlier about a uh, new episode we're looking at doing some stuff uh historically for death walker because uh, we're shooting uh about 20 episodes right now and we were looking at a location that's absolutely amazing tesla so tesla's old building we're mm -hmm. looking at filming there it's never been done before and we have access unique access to tesla's building that no one really knows about you and don't mean the car manufacturer you're talking about nikola I, tesla's home i'm talking right? about nikola tesla yeah. the original nikola tesla yeah so we got we gained access to this amazing building First time I'm saying this, but I don't care because no one else is going to get access except me. So <laughs> it's really cool. But it's amazing when you research Nikola Tesla and you look into the studies he was doing and discovering, you know, um, with his spirit communication radio. So look at some of the documentation because for a long time, I was talking to my cousin Justin about it today, and he was saying, yeah, for a long time, people were trying to debunk it, was just kind of made up that he was doing that. Um, but it's not. It's actually documented in his journals and stuff that he actually created this. And um, um, who's the other? Why am I blanking? Who's the other guy? They were in competition. Thomas Edison. Yeah, thank you. Thomas Edison made the phone and all that. He so he, Nick. He found out Nikola Tesla was doing this, and he actually had it where it was working. There's newspaper clippings and articles and stuff. So Thomas Edison goes out to try to produce something that's even better and more. Uh, I think it was called. Um, 
telephone telephone to the, to the dead thank you telephone of the dead right right and he um he produced it he tried to make it but it didn't work as good i guess it came out it wasn't working as good or something like that compared to what nikola tesla did but nikola tesla was highly intelligent as far as he felt at times he was communicating with extraterrestrials right. alien beings and stuff like that not just spirits or ghosts you know people that were once living and deceased now um, so I do think there's more to it and you got to think you got to think outside how we perceive things or what we've been taught right mm -hmm. so we think in the reality of this one dimension we're living in but if you look at the multiple layers and if you look at the alternate realities like you and I Dave way back at Bobby Mackey's like that's happening right now mm. but we're here right now so time doesn't exist the notion of time is created by human beings because we grow older <laughs> so what happens if alternate realities things are happening all this stuff is occurring simultaneously and the realities are kind of meshed together and sometimes we have bleed throughs and we experience these kind of phenomena and we don't understand it and maybe you think it's a ghost from back then but it's actually us talking to us or whatever mm -hmm. or nikola tesla's talking to some extraterrestrial higher intelligent being and and all of a sudden he's communicating and he he's a little bit more advanced and he's thinking outside the box for his period of time when he was basing all this stuff in, which is crazy at the time. And I just believe that um, there's multiple things happening. And when you get into like that type of stuff, it really opens up your mind to other possibilities of right. like, what do we actually communicate with? So that's what I'm excited about with Death Walker because I have the opportunity I have the chance to discover you know things that i wouldn't particularly look at years ago or mm -hmm. if it was under kind of like a commission project at a network or something like that it'd be like no we need to tell this narrative you can't you can't stray off of this narrative because it doesn't make sense to us executives right i can do these type of things now because we're in full control of the narrative we can tell our story we can say it as it is it's back to the roots the fundamental elements of a real paranormal investigation to pull back layers to try to understand the other possibilities of like more than just life and death and consciousness and energy and extraterrestrials or weird things that are happening that you know we just don't have the, the full answers right. for yet or try new experiments you know just trying different things i'm open to all sorts of different things um as long as you it know, makes it's, sense <laughs> it's interesting that you bring up tesla and edison because uh I shot a, a sizzle, a pilot, uh, at a place called the St. Nicholas hotel in Colorado yeah. and, uh, had all of these paranormal inventors on hand, Frank Sumption, who created the Frank's box, this really kind of the popularized, uh, spirit box. And at one point I was doing some work with it and it was after hours, we were just kind of chilling out, relaxing. And Frank wanted to see me work with the spirit box. And I started getting these responses and these voices and he just had this like almost terrified look on his face. And I said, what's wrong? And he goes, I've never heard it work like this. And I go, but you created it. And he goes, yeah, yeah but I, I talked to aliens, not ghosts. So here's one guy whose intent was to speak to aliens. Right. I'm there trying to talk to the dead of the St. Nicholas's hospital and I'm getting doctor and nurses voices and patients mm -hmm. crying out. And again, because I went in with that intent, but it blew his mind that he was hearing these things. Isn't that amazing? But, but it's but the way he tuned in. Right, but that's an engineer though. That's somebody who's like IQ smart, who knows how to develop these things. I, I've talked to um, uh, George Brown, who made the Geoport, uh, mm -hmm. the, the device I use. And um, 
it's funny because I asked them one time, like, like, how does it actually work? Like, how am I getting this information? There's no way what I just heard come through in the middle of nowhere, in the bowels of the basement of a mental asylum where there's no Wi-Fi, there's no Bluetooth right. interception. Like, because my brain starts thinking, all right, is this programmed? Is this messing? Are they at like a computer just like, oh, Nixon, let's, okay, <laughs> let's hit them up with some information. But there's some document documented facts that came through Geoport at a location where it actually gave specific names where it's not matrix and you wow. can hear clear as day, the names, yep. the information. I had a historical researcher back up the claims because I didn't even know what it was saying, but I heard the name. I heard the facts based on my questions I was asking. Mm -hmm. The researcher went and did the homework and said, oh my gosh, we can't broadcast that name. That, that family, that mob family is still alive and it's connected to this person. Yikes. And this actually happened here. And they started backing it up because that person went missing and stuff like that. It was really crazy. Crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting when you talk to engineers or electrical engineers or people that are um, right. developing these. Uh, George Brown said the same thing. I don't know. I make them. I I had an experience with it, and now I want to develop it further. And they just don't fully understand how it's happening. But that just brings me back to, um, you know, the idea of what we're experiencing. Sometimes I think the mind and the body is the greatest part to experience you know, mm -hmm. a personal experience. And I really appreciate that more so sometimes than like my geo port or an audio device right. or whatever piece of equipment. Um, I think the equipment helps validate some of the experiences you're having to say, oh, I'm not crazy and I'm not like over-exaggerating my, right. my emotions right now. Like if I'm hearing the voice come through on the geo port clear as day and I'm having this like electrical goosebumps charge go through my body and I psychically like hear certain things in my head at the same time, but I'm getting it to validate it. I'm like, okay, maybe there's something happening here. But then what is that though? Right. You know what I mean? Is it is it somebody that's living right now, communicating out loud? And it goes back to like the simple uh, experience that I had at uh, Brushy Mountain Prison. Uh, Death Walker, really quick. This story is really cool. I was in uh, solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. Justin was filming me. It was just, uh, it's just the two of us too, by the way, that films death Walker and that's it. No camera crews, nothing, just him and I, and that's it. And we're in solitary confinement. I have my audio device and I'm talking, we have this weird stuff happen. Okay. I, and I'm just asking questions like, you know, did you die here? Simple stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden what I started to realize the voice that was coming through was familiar. Like you could hear the vocal tone and everything. So it was above like just the mm -hmm. different frequencies and phonetic words and whatever stuff comes through. And I started to realize that this guy is communicating with me and he's saying he needs water. <laughs> he's wow. in solitary confinement. I'll just put your brain into this right. mentality, darkness, solitary confinement, nothing right? He's telling me through the audio device, this is like somebody speaking through the audio device, whoever this is, it sounds like a male. He's speaking. He's replying to me intelligently to my questions. I need water. Then I say, who do you think you're talking to right now? Like, can you see me? Can, can you feel me? Can you see me? I'm asking questions like thinking he's maybe deceased and he can see like beyond mm -hmm. the scope of the realm. Right, right. You know, he sees my glowing body or something like X-Men style, just floating around. <laughs> and, Keeping it real, was, I like that. But what was crazy is um, he started to say, I was the ghost. So he's like, you're the ghost. And I'm like, no, 
I'm talking, I thought you were the guy. See, <laughs> so what I started to realize is he's actually a living person in solitary confinement when the prison right. was in operation, like the 1800s or whatever. And what I realized is if you strip all the senses away in the human body, mm -hmm. right? If you put somebody in complete darkness and, and you starve them and you don't give them water and you strip the senses and you're, you start to go blind after a while in the, in the darkness, honestly. And I know this for a fact because I talked to historical people and the, his, um, the people that were telling me about the research there is a lot of people died in solitary confinement from being starved. They said they would, they would go blind after you know, a year in there. Um, they start hallucinating. So the greatest part about this is I started to realize that what happens if the brain can be pushed to the max in that sense, where mm -hmm. you lose your senses and you can actually tap into this other psyche or this other ability where I'm vocalizing, right? And I'm looking for it. And I'm, I don't know, I come in with this different energy that is like in, in tune with myself, in tune of like right. my psyche, my mind, my energy, whatever. And I'm producing that into the environment. And what happens if he can hear me? you know, into the future or wherever time doesn't exist. And, and we're having this conversation like uh, Nikola Tesla's device. And now we're able to communicate because I can hear him on this new device I have in, in the future here. And he can psychically hear like whatever he's having an experience in his realm or his time zone mm. of um, having his senses stripped away. It's just, it's weird, man. That's where I started thinking, you know, yeah. rather than the typical. It's going outside the box for communication. And that's what this show's about. Let the spirits speak. Nick, I appreciate you coming in, man, especially my second episode. I appreciate you popping on and being a part of this. And uh, again, tell people how can they keep up with dead time with the Groffs? <laughs> uh, YouTube channel. So if you just uh, YouTube and search dead time with the Groffs, you'll find it right there. We have four episodes up right now. Every week we'll have new episodes up and uh, submit your videos. If you have something weird, we want to check it out. All right. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, folks, let's take a quick break. Then we have a very special guest who's going to join us. And let me remind you, you can come see me in Oregon. I'm going to be out there uh, later on this year, July 30th for the Oregon Bigfoot Festival and beyond. Uh, it is Oklahoma County Fairgrounds and it's going to be a great time. Cliff Brackman from Finding Bigfoot, Jason Hawes is going to be there from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation. I'll be on hand. Uh, there's a lot of other great guests. Again, you can get information if you go check out uh, darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. All right, welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here with us. Before we go on to our mystery guest, yes, I'm going to make you people sweat just a few more seconds to figure it out. Let's go buy the book. This is the book we're talking about today, and this is how I'm doing it through Audible. I love the Audible versions of these books. Built in 1847 on the banks of the Ohio River, the Bel Air House is reputed to be one of the most haunted houses in America. Since the early 20th century, it's earned a reputation as a hotbed of paranormal activity with reports of apparitions, curses, psychic assaults, and violence. This collection of true ghost stories from the owner of the Bel Air house is a mix of lurid and heartwarming stories that both illuminate the life after death experience and convey startling messages from the other side. Check out the book, Paranormal Confessions. Kristen Lee is the author. We have a link for that book on today's program guide, or you can go to paranormal60.com. That's paranormal60.com. Click on the store tab, scroll down, you'll see our Amazon storefront there. 
All right, we've got something cool happening now. It is another episode of Upon Further Review. This is a movie review uh, little profile that we're doing that I'm, I'm sending friends of mine out to watch different movies and uh, maybe movies that I've missed in the past and horror genre and, and having them report back last week, Night of the Lepus with Jeff Belanger. This week, we've got a special mystery guest. And before I tell you who it is, let's see if you can figure it out by just simply watching the preview. This is from 1973. Don't. Don't look in the basement. The makers of Last House on the Left warn you again. To avoid fainting, keep repeating, it's only a movie, only a movie, only a movie. The line between sanity and madness can be crossed in a single step. And with this step, you enter the nightmare world of terror. Judge Cayman, whose iron self-control hides the urge to kill. Harriet, a mother's love, twisted into the malignant shape of evil. The sergeant, living in the hell of an aimless war, fighting a battle within himself that he lost long ago. Allison, in a desperate need for love. An obsession that could drive her to murder. Danny, whose sense of humor triggers a violent act of revenge. Dr. Masters, who has her own idea of the gentle art of healing. And Charlotte, who left the world of sanity and security only to be trapped in the nightmare world of madness, a nightmare she cannot escape. They all met on the day the insane took over the asylum. Don't look in the basement. From Hallmark Releasing Corporation, rated R. All right, my little darklings, don't look in the basement. If that's not enough of a clue for you, I don't even know where we can go from there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce our mystery guest, which should be, again, no surprise, as the basement is where I always send him. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Holzer Files and the Searchers, help me welcome my brother from another mother, Shane Pittman. Hello, Shane. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Just keep repeating to yourself, Shane. Don't look in the basement. You know, I, I, I think that that teaser that you just played is yes. better than the actual movie. What? <laughs> it's better than the actual movie. Shane, how can you say that? The, tra the trailer is better than the Because it actually doesn't look like a bad movie. This took place in 1973. Um, and I love that Hallmark is the one that was putting this movie out and, and promoting it. Yeah. Um, Looks can be deceiving. It is a very, very bad movie. <laughs> Look, it, it's a stormy night in Georgia. I would rather go outside naked and get struck by lightning than to ever watch this movie again. I would rather go to every single basement in all of eternity 
that uh-huh. you ever send me to now and in the future than to ever watch this movie again. It Shame. was Shade, it's only a movie. Just keep repeating to avoid fainting. It's only a movie. It was bad, man. It, no. it was it, when you say bad. I, when, now, in your message that you sent to me prior to this, you said, "Ah, oh, this movie is bad," but I kind of liked it. So, yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things where you know, like, like a train wreck, right? Like you you'll see it, you'll see it. You'll <laughs> yeah, see there's it. nothing better than seeing a train wreck. You'll, you'll see it you want to turn away but you can't it's just right. one of those things so so this movie was so bad that it was one of the it still kept my attention um because of how horrible it was <laughs> just, just to break it just to break it down real quick i'll break it down a little bit about okay. just a, a little summary about it sure so uh nurse charlotte she's hired by dr stevens to um work at the sanitarium and there's uh mentally ill there there's a lot of people dealing with some issues and she goes there and she finds out that dr stevens dies well come to find out one of the patients kills him and this other doctor you think is a doctor takes over Hmm. come to find out the doctor that took over is one of the patients there spoiler alert spoiler alerts Nobody's ever going to watch this movie, man, unless uh, they're forced to, like <laughs> you forced me to do. I was afraid this was going to be the headline after making you watch this. <laughs> Investigator wants to punch colleague. Hey, you uh, know what? That is, that is very accurate. What? That is very accurate, man. Come on. It, look, it, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it other than I love it the was pain. super, it was horrible. It was horrible. So on a scale of one phantom being horrible, five phantoms being an amazing movie, where do you really put this? Uh, I'll give it a two because it did kept, it, it did keep my attention, but at the same time, you know, it's just really bad. But I'll give it a two because I could watch it all the way through, and I was actually surprised at the end what happened because I didn't know. There's a little twist, and I I wasn't catching it right off the bat so excellent it did surprise me so, so I, I some redeeming qualities that's right well will, will you forgive me I, as i told people i'm going to be mixing it up with some schlocky movies and some really great fun favorite movies that i've loved in the past will you come back here and, and do this again with me oh for sure i, I really appreciate you uh Good. having me on man and me My being pleasure. a special guest yeah right behind nick i mean come on uh that's an honor in and of itself well, look, buddy, I'm just going to give you a little foreshadowing for your next movie. Oh. Don't look <laughs> oh, in the basement, too. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully it's better no. than the first one. It couldn't be worse, right? We will. Right. Uh, I, won't, I won't task you with that, but I will find something fun for you to do. Shane, if people want to find more out about you, the searchers, and the stuff that you're doing, where you can be seen for upcoming events, where should they go check it out? Yep. So you can go to officialshanepittman.com and you can find me on all the social media out there. Just type in my name and you'll find me. All right. Thank you very much, Shane. Take care of yourself and be safe. No problem, man. Have a good one. All right. Always a good time catching up with my buddy, Shane. Our next guest is uh, here with me and I had a chance to meet her um, earlier. uh, Well, I guess last year, time means nothing now because of the two years that we've been in and out of doing weird things. Um, she is a psychic 
empath investigator and a tarot reader. And uh, this this was really interesting going into um, Mansfield Reformatory, which is a location I've been numerous times and have investigated. I was there last year for their big conference, and I'll be there again this year. You can find info again at darknessevents.com. Uh, you know, I lead ghost hunts throughout the night and I met Sharice Williams and she was, uh, hello, Sharice. Thanks for being here with us, staying up late. Um, you know, obviously it was great because when we were working together, we got EVP pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but what really uh, interested me about your techniques is that you, you go outside the box as we were talking with Nick, it's not just about, you know, being on a camera and watching all your equipment and doing this, but you actually use tarot cards to communicate with the dead. And I, I'm confounded. I want to know more because I've always thought, like, if, if you're going to do my tarot reading, I've always been handed the cards and I have to kind of shuffle them while thinking of what I want to, you know, have questioned or answered. And then I hand them back to you. You do your black magic or whatever <laughs> and then deal them out and then start to to do the reading for me. If there's nobody there with a physical form, how are you getting a response? Walk me through that. And first of all, and foremost, again, welcome to the show, but where did you come up with the idea of tarot readings for the dead? So it's actually something that I kind of recently incorporated over the last few years. And it's because I read tarot for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I got my first deck about 25 years ago and... So I do readings for all kinds of stuff. If I'm trying to make a decision on something, I pull a couple cards to like, oh, well, what decision should I make? Um, And then obviously I do readings for other people. And so I figured if I'm doing readings for other people, and I usually do distance readings as well, especially Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years when everybody was distanced. Um, And so I'll get into that on like not needing somebody physically with me to do a reading. Right. But I thought if I can read for somebody, you know, halfway across the world, why can't I read for a spirit that I'm trying to talk to at a haunted prison. Right. Um, and so I started incorporating it and it's worked out great. It gives such layers of information. And I feel like you're really able to kind of tap into a more personal level with the spirits and the energies um, at the location. And yeah, it's, it's been amazing. Now, is it corroborated with not only throwing the cards, but uh, are you running EVP and filming as well and getting multiple instances of communication? Yeah. So I really love to rely on my intuition. Like I think our intuition and like Nick was saying, our bodies and like really feeling the experience and interpreting it physically and intuitively is like, I feel like that gets dismissed a lot for the gadgets and everything. And I think a lot of the time when you are focusing so much on these gadgets, you're tuning out your intuition and you're tuning out these things you could possibly be picking up on. Um, But I do like to use those gadgets sometimes as well, because I think it's really cool when your intuition is saying something, the cards are kind of confirming that, and then you get an EVP or, you know, the REM pod starts going off at the same time. It's just kind of adds extra layers to, you know, confirmation and to investigating. When, when you do that now, again, I'm, I'm not sure how this all works, but when you are, are making the communication and you're, you're, you're connecting with the spirit in a way that you're actually able to read their tarot, what does that tell you about how to communicate with the spirit? Just because you're getting his vibe, does that mean he's going to step forward and actually communicate? And has it ever gone horribly wrong for you? Because you're kind of, you know, it, you wouldn't as a medium just walk up to somebody and say, hey, your mom's here, blah, 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 right? So do the spirits take offense ever that you're 
you're tapping into their energy and reading that? I don't think so any more than, you know, we're trying to connect to them with this equipment. Because we, I think a lot of us investigators, we do try to be respectful, but ultimately we are going into these entities spaces and being like, hey, talk to me. Like, here's this equipment, light it up. And so I think it's kind of the same thing with the cards. I'm like, hey, you know, I want to try to communicate with you. I have had instances where I just can't connect. I've, I've, con- I've done that with like living people with reading. Some people are just very shielded, guarded, and it's really hard to connect to their energy. Um, and so I have had that happen with spirits where we maybe are getting some responses on the equipment. And then I'm like, well, let me pull out the cards because I don't feel like we're getting quite enough answers. And then it's like everything shuts down and I can't connect to them. Like I'm pulling cards and nothing is making sense. And I think it's because sometimes they're just like, whoa, maybe they're like, what are you doing, devil woman? <laughs> like, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not talking to you, you witch. Or they're just like, whoa, this is a different level of like connecting and I don't want to do this. So do you ever feel endangered when you start opening yourself up to that and tapping in and realizing that now it's not just you reaching out psychically, but you're with these cards and and with what you're doing, you're actually kind of pulling them towards you. Do do you fear attachments and possession or oppression? Um, No, kind of, I feel like it's sort of like with the spirit board, you know, I mean, like, again, Nick was saying, it's really no different than utilizing all of the fun gadgets. Um, You know, you're just trying to connect to a spirit. And I think no matter what you're doing, whether it's a digital voice recorder or tarot cards, you're kind of letting your guard down a little bit to kind of like tap into that energy and kind of form that connection. Uh, You know, I have had some freaky things happen and I have brought somebody home with me unintentionally, well, a spirit unintentionally. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But I really am very... um, I'm very in tune with my intuition. So anytime that I have started to feel that something is getting a little too close to me or, um, you know, that things might start to get a little uncomfortable, I usually shut it down and, you know, make sure that my energy is guarded, set those boundaries. Oh, I can't hear you. Do you ever try when you're, you're kind of connecting with somebody doing a tarot reading and if they feel like there's a spirit with them, do you ever throw the cards for whatever spirit is there to see if if maybe you could tell them which spirit is is there? I have not done that. I have during readings. I've had um, like spirit guides come through. I've had some ancestors come through, uh, but nothing like, oh, there's a ghost at your house. Did you know that? Like I haven't had that happen. Um, I have done readings as well for people who want me to read their house. Like I had a girl, she contacted me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about buying this really old house. Can you do a reading on it? And she sent me just one picture of the house. And so I pulled cards and did a reading and I was able to give her information. It was interesting. Some of the information I gave her through the cards, she was like, yeah, that's what the realtor said, you know, was part of the history of this. Wow. Place. So, yeah. Pretty cool. If people are interested in getting a reading from you, what's the best way to reach out? Uh, my website, sharicewilliams.com. And I'm also really active on TikTok and Instagram, sharicewilliams.xo. All right. Very cool. Thank you for stopping in, Sharice. We'll have you back on. I know you have a book coming out, what, next month, right? Yes, sir. Tell us the name of the book so people can start uh, pre-ordering it. The Witch's Guide to Ghost Hunting. Excellent. Mm -hmm. The Witch's Guide to Ghost Hunting. And we'll have you back. I know my daughter would probably really be interested in co-hosting with me on that because she's, um, she's very fascinated by witch craft that that wiccan atmosphere and ghost hunting and how it ties together so we'll we'll have you back on when the book breaks thank you very much for being a part of the show with us sharice it was great talking to you
you know, let the spirit speak. Give them room to be heard. Research, stretch yourself beyond your comfort zone of what you've learned just watching television shows. Educate yourself and be patient. The spirits, they're all around us. There are signs everywhere. The question is, do you have the fortitude to learn and train the right way before you just jump into opening yourself up? Now, there are many books on developing your gifts or skills, and there are classes. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact my good friend uh, Cindy Keza teaches numerous classes on developing uh, your skills and, and kind of tapping into the psychic you. You can find more information at her, her social media pages uh, in, in Medium Cindy Keza at uh, Twitter and, and on Instagram. But there are many disciplines to learning new skills, and it's never just one thing. Keep that in mind and be careful because what you call out to may be listening and it may respond. So make sure you're prepared for that and that you have a plan. It's not just about reaching out. It's about letting go and the proper way to close those sessions as well. I want to thank all of our guests tonight, attorney Michael Bryant, Nick Groff, Sharice Williams, and of course, my brother from another mother, Shane Pittman, for their guidance and insights and sharing some laughs tonight. I also want to thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60 and allowing me along on your journey. May the darkness be a little more light with the information that we share here. Stay safe and be kind, and make sure to like this video or podcast, subscribe, and tell everyone you know about the Paranormal 60, and we'll see you again here next week. 